For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hollywood hoop dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available everywhere possible are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopballlakers the following is a hoop bowl presentation guys welcome back it is i love swithin bank back with another episode of the pelican scoop on the hoop ball pels podcast Hoop-ball.com, as always, Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter, at HoopBallPills on Twitter as well. Big episode again today. A couple of weeks ago, I had a chat with Mason Ginsberg of the Bourbon Street Shots and In The Know podcast. Guy is all across the Pelicans, and we had a really good chat about it. Uh, this was probably midway through the hiatus, and uh, I've held it back because now we've got news that the NBA is coming back. Very, very excited um, that that is going to happen. So we'll be looking at the 30th of July for that to restart. And the Pels are going. They're in the hub. Uh, they're going to the Yacht Club is where they'll be staying at uh, Walt Disney World. So we're very, very excited to see that. Zion's going to be there. BI will be there. Well, we hope so. They've got until the 24th of June to to opt out if they're not going to come. But uh, fingers crossed that it all comes together and we, we see them there. So fingers crossed they can, uh, they can chase down the Memphis Grizzlies and, and make it into the eighth seed and and play playoffs. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into our little chat with uh, with Mason. Hope you enjoy. Guys, welcome back to the Pelican Scoop. I am Lyle Swithenbank, and today I'm joined with the great Mason Ginsberg from In The Know. Mason, how are you going? Good. I don't know about the whole great thing, but uh, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're living, uh, just uh, taking it one day at a time. We're all quarantined up and uh just uh you know ready to talk some pelicans feel like a fit i can't watch basketball so i may as well talk about it right yeah, exactly right i know the exact same feeling i've been i'm working from home duties now for uh ooh, coming up two nearly three months i think now so um there's a lot at the end of the tunnel in, in australia we're starting to ease restrictions a little bit but i know well i've heard from the news that the, the u.s is still pretty uh pretty locked up in certain places and there's still some a fair bit of this uh, COVID going around. Yeah, I mean, I'm in I'm in Chicago and it's probably one of the worst areas in the country to be. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we're one of the most infected places in the country at this point. I don't think we're opening up anytime soon. I know, I know New Orleans actually has, uh, it's kind of, um, you know, they're in phase one, I think, or at least getting close to phase one of reopening. And so that's good. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a little while still, I think up here. It's crazy times that we're all living in. I mean, 
Yeah. This is the Pelicans podcast, so you know it makes it a lot more difficult to talk about the Pelicans when there's not really much going on. You know, we're sort of on this hiatus. Yeah. We're lucky that we've had such a, I suppose, roller coaster of a season and off season coming coming in um, into this year. We started off this off season, I suppose, with uh, the acquisition of David Griffin. He rebuilt pretty much the entire uh, front office and training staff and everything like that. Uh, AD, uh, the, the the conundrum with him, I suppose, uh, came to a head and he was shipped off to to the Lakers. And we've seen him uh, go from strength to strength there. We also acquired a few young guys from there. We saw Brandon Ingram uh, took a real leap. Uh, what did you think of his development this year? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was great. And man, that was last summer. It feels like it was like 10 years ago at this point. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I, I I mean Ingram Ingram's been fantastic. I was I'm I, I was ready I'm I was ready to eat crow about a month into the season. I was not that high on him when he came in. I was actually highest on Lonzo Ball, and that that flipped pretty quickly um, once when when the season started. Of course, Lonzo's made tremendous strides as of late. But um, but yeah, I mean Ingram has really it the the one thing you held out and hoped to but from coming over from the Lakers was that he wasn't really optimized. He wasn't used properly alongside LeBron James. He couldn't really find, find himself, so to speak. And so, I, I mean, I think the Pelicans put him in a position to succeed. Obviously, the shooting came along. Um, I mean, what he needed to really unlock a lot of his game was, was developing that three-point stroke. And, and um, you know, I, I think there were signs, as opposed to Alonzo, where, like, he's been not a great shooter and so all of a sudden became a, a great shooter overnight, apparently. But Ingram was always kind of like you, you thought he could get there but didn't know – you know, if or when it would happen, and, and it certainly has. And so that that three point stroke and the willingness to take them, I think he's he's his three point his three point rate. So the number of threes he takes and and you know per hundred possessions or, or per you know uh, you know has has really gone up a, a solid clip. And so teams have to worry about that. And you have to close out on him, and so he's got more room to operate. And so I mean, I think there's been. Uh, you know, a lot of reasons uh, that he's improved. Credit the coaching staff that put him in position to succeed. Mostly credit Brandon Ingram for putting in the work and really turning turning things around where, you know, he was he still had a lot of potential, obviously, but he really is starting to realize that now. And I think he set himself up for a nice contract in his uh, restrictive free agency talks this offseason. Absolutely. And you mentioned Lonzo Ball, another guy that came into the season, uh, I suppose, he, they talked that he'd rebuilt his jumper. Uh, first few games, he was a bit wayward. I think it looked like he was still trying to work out the mechanics of it all, especially in a game situation. Then come December, he just sort of took this real turn. Like you said, his numbers went through the roof. He started actually making like good shots. Do you think that comes down to it finally clicking, or do you think he, he might have had an injury or something like that earlier on in the season? Was there any underlying reason there that he, he didn't come in as hot as he got to? Well, I mean, he didn't get much of an offseason because he was, uh, you know, he was, he was hurt. And so, um, you know, I, I think that certainly played a part. Um, I mean, and, and I don't think either uh, end of the spectrum we saw of Lonzo Ball this season is reality. I don't think he was, ne- I don't think he's nearly as bad as what we saw at the start of the year. I don't think he's going to be a nearly 40% three-point shooter in perpetuity going forward. I mean, I, I think that's, that's pretty volatile. I think the three-point shooting, and I still think, I think he's certainly gotten better. I think he's a guy now he's not, you know, you're going to have to pay attention to him when he's behind the arc. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Pelican style really helps him, uh, the fast pace. You, you kind of see that he's more in his element when they're playing a run-and-gun style, um, you know, that, that free-flowing offense that Alvin Gentry likes to play. In the half court, he struggles. I mean, I think that's a secret. That's still the case. He, he doesn't really get into the paint that much. He struggles to really penetrate and, and, and initiate offense that way. That's why it's so important to have – a guard like Drew Holly alongside him who can really get into the paint and, ca- and cause disruption. Even Brandon Ingram, who's been kind of a, at, at times been a decent point forward uh, to, to help in that, in that regard. But I mean, I, I think the way this team likes to play his value is maximized. And so um, I'm excited to see how he can grow with this team. Um, ne- uh, you know, either at the end of the season, if they ever end up resuming or, or next season. Yeah. And I think eventually he, hopefully figures it all out. And especially, like you said, he, he had Drew alongside him. And that's the sort of guy, you can't discount that that mentor, uh, I suppose, even on the court mentor sort of relationship. You know, you, you, can, you can mirror someone else that is playing a similar position. Drew's been around the league for a long time. There was talk from David Griffin. I remember him giving a quote uh, earlier on in the off-season about, uh, this is Drew's team, and we're going to let him do whatever he wants. He can go and um, he can become the MVP. He can score when he wants. I don't think Drew was ever that sort of player that, um, I suppose, wanted to dominate a team. You know what I mean? He, I, he's always been a sort of lead-by-example point guard, whether that is go and score a bucket or it is deferred to whoever the hot hand is. Do you think he sort of kept that going and, and let the young guys get theirs when they needed to and, and then took control when, when it was his turn? Yeah, I mean the the trick with Drew and I, I appreciate and respect Griff doing that for him, but I think that's that it's a fair comment that I, Drew Holiday. They're first of all they're asking him to do a lot, right? He, he's um, the advanced metrics show that he guards the opposing team's best players uh, at one of the highest rates in the league, and so he's he's spending a ton of effort on defense every night. And now Anthony Davis is gone. All of a sudden, you want him to be the guy on offense too. And it's just a lot. I mean, it's it's a lot for for a player like Drew. It's a lot for anyone. Um, but especially now, you have you've lost your defensive anchor in AD, who's good at covering up mistakes uh, around the perimeter. Now, I mean, not not to say Drew, for example, but the uh, but the other guys around the perimeter, the Pelicans defensively was were never that good um, alongside Drew. And so now he's got to be that guy on both ends. And I think he took it to heart, and, and he took he took his lumps in the beginning of the season. He, he was you know he he was didn't really come through in the clutch a lot of the time. And that, and that did carry through a little bit throughout the, the, the course of the entire season. But, you know, I, I think the development of Brandon Ingram, the introduction of Zion to the team and how he's been able to take some of the load and even like clean up people's misses. I mean, we saw his, you know, his second jump and, and his offensive rebounding skills really, really helpful in that regard as well. Um, I, I think Drew did force a little bit as, as, as the team really came together, Drew was still being the Drew that they asked him to be at the start of the season. He's forcing a little bit, maybe taking as far as you know, taking some threes, taking some really shot clock shots that he maybe shouldn't be taking. But that's really my only gripe with Drew throughout the course of the season. He was just at the start of the year when when the team was kind of a shell of itself. They just asked him to do a lot, and he you know he did as best he could. And he's he's not that alpha. He's he's never been that guy. But I really do feel like you know he did what he needed to do for the Pelicans to be the best version of themselves. And as the season got on, they got healthy. Uh, they, I think all the guys really started to figure out their, their role in all this. And it's, it's a shame the season had to be cut off when it did because I feel like this team was really cruising. That, uh, yeah, that final stretch, I guess, was chalk and cheese, I suppose. You know, they really did um, t- 
turn it on. They look like they're making a push for the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, almost overnight, well, it was mid, just about mid-game that they're just like, no, nah, we're, we're off. Um, Rudy Gobert from, from the Jazz had, had been tested positive And all of a sudden, alarm bells go off because we didn't really know what we were dealing with. Do you think if the season had have continued that this young, youthful, athletic... I mean, we haven't even touched on Zion yet. We'll get to him. I'm just trying to taper expectations for everyone <laughs> because once I get going... Um, do you think that we could have made that jump into the playoffs? Yeah, I think it was... I think it was a coin flip. I really do. And, and so, and that's essentially what, so uh, John Hollinger joined Will Guillory of The Athletic for a Q&A on uh, one of his recent articles about a week or so ago. And that's really what, and that's what Hollinger said. And, and, and so I feel like, you know, getting an, an unbiased kind of neutral uh, third party perspective on that is nice because you get Pelicans fans think, oh, we would have definitely made it. You get Grizzlies fans say, are you kidding? You're three and a half games back. You're never going to make it. And so, I mean, I really do think the difference in strength of schedule was significant, but a three-and-a-half game lead is also significant. And I, I really do believe that it was I, – I would have given the slight edge to the Pelicans. Um, I think that just because the strength of schedule difference was massive. The Pelicans had the easiest schedule remaining in the league. Memphis, I think, was one of the toughest, if not the toughest. And I, I think the Pelicans were a little bit healthy. I think the Memphis was getting, getting healthy, but still not perfectly healthy yet. Um, the, the Pelicans were missing JJ Redick, but he was supposed to be back in about a week at that time. And so, you know, I, I think they were playing at such a high level, um, that, that they would have, I think they would have carried through. And, and so they had, they had three games left out of 18 against teams over 500. So there was a back-to-back against Utah and the Clippers. And then the, like the third to last game of the season was against Philly. And you could even maybe argue that Philly was already going to have their playoff seating set and they may have just rested players. So like I, the Pelicans were in a sweet spot. Uh, and and I, I think I would have given this slight edge to them, but it was, it was going to be a battle to the finish that I was really excited to watch. And it probably would have come down to those last two head-to-head games between Memphis and New Orleans. Yeah, that was exciting to see. And both similar sort of teams in that they're full of young guys and – I think surprised a lot of people uh, as to how quickly this team sort of came together. You know, I think it was seven or yeah, seven new players, I think, joined the team in the off-season. And how do you make that mesh in a, in a locker room? You know what I mean? And then on the court, you've got to learn a whole new system. All of a sudden, uh, you, you're basically starting from scratch. Do you think Alvin Gentry did a pretty good job in, in managing all of those players and getting them into a, I suppose, winning sort of mindset towards the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I would give – I've been a defender of Alvin Gentry, I feel like, in the – like, broadly speaking, with some of the other, uh, you know, some Pelicans fans out there. I think I think people were overly critical of him. I don't think he did a fantastic job by any stretch, but I, I, I think he did uh, – he did the best he could with what he had. Um, and you can critique pretty much any coach uh, for, for certain things, but I feel like Gentry – you know – the, the role of the head coach, I feel like, and, and Seth Partnow of The Athletic put out a great article on this early in the season around, like, what the, what the role of a head coach actually is. And so I, there's so much behind the scenes that you will never see as a fan about what a head coach does. He, I think Alvin Gentry had a great coaching staff under him that gets uh, – I mean, and I think most people would agree with that fact, but I feel like it, it matters more from an X and O's perspective. And what Gentry is, is the guy who's – he's, you know, he's accountable – but he also is one who's dealing with the media. He's dealing with the locker room and, and, and get, having the hard conversations with players in some situations. And he's, he's really good at that. Uh, I, and I think the players like him and, and respect him. And so 
Um, I, I, I can't say enough about how he handled the entire AD situation a year ago. I mean, that was a disaster of, of a situation that he had to go through with the whole, you know, fighting the league on whether or not they can sit him when he's already requested a trade and uh, just, it's just a mess. And so like, that's what you need a head coach to be. Obviously you need him to be someone who can you know talk and, and, and no basketball. And that, and that goes without saying, but you know, given, given all this, all of the stuff the Pelicans had to deal with all the injuries um, there was, I mean, the 13 game losing streak is, is inexcusable and he has to take uh, part of the lumps for that. Even, even with an unhealthy team. I mean, in the tough schedule they played, um, no one's ab- absolved of blame uh, for losing that many games in a row. Um, but uh, at the same time, I feel like, you know, he, I think he did a decent job. Um, it, and it, that's not to say that he's the guy for them moving forward, but I, I don't, I would not be overly critical of him. And if you want to, I mean, but you look at, just look at Vegas. I mean, if you look at the Vegas over under for this Pelicans team, it was about, I think it was like 38 wins. And that's even before the Zion injury happened to start the year. And so this team is on pace for that, at least, if not more. And, um, you know, I think that's, I, I think he's done a, a, a pretty good job, all things considered. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, it's always the, the case that these coaches, you know, they lose a few games to begin with. And all of a sudden, the hype starts going, like you said, that Anthony Davis debacle with the, ended with the that's all folks. and and. Um, <clears throat> I suppose, really had to go into damage control to make sure that the Pels didn't get, just get fined repeatedly for not playing him. You did uh, make mention of Zion Williamson, the number one draft pick in the well this year's draft, just gone. Huge amount of hype coming in. And then all of a sudden, he is injured. Did that send shockwaves through, I suppose, the Pels fans generally as well as as the team? We're used to this, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> Injuries? Oh, man. that that's. It, it, I wish it sent shockwaves, honestly, because that's just how the team works at this point. Uh, guys get hurt. But, I mean, it, it was obviously a bummer. I, the, uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of fans bought season tickets immediately after the lottery, which one year ago today, weirdly enough. But, um, so, I mean, that's that's – it, it it sucks, but at the same time, you know that you're not going to win a title this year. You're just excited to see him on the court. And so the question is, you know, when are you going to see him? And that was a, you know, that, that was a very much a TBD situation for a while. No one really knew, apart from the Pelicans, I guess, knew when he would see the floor. But um, I, I think at least, at the very least, in the time we saw him on the floor, his, I, I, I don't think anyone could really be disappointed in, in what they saw. Um you know, even if you had sky high expectations for him, I think he met them. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm very – similar to Lonzo, I'm excited to see how he can grow over the next year and hopefully throughout a long career in New Orleans. Especially having those two guys playing together because Lonzo can pull a pass from anywhere. And, you know, if he just throws it anywhere near the backboard, Zion's going to get hold of it. And those exciting sort of plays and, and maybe even the, uh, if a jump from – uh, Jackson Hayes comes as well. You've got two guys that you're just throwing the ball somewhere near the ring and, and, you, and they're putting it in. Um, Zion looks like that guy that hopefully, 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 I, I know that won't come up on the podcast, but cross my fingers. Um, we see this guy turn into an absolute alpha beast that we can build around for years to come. And if we can keep BI and keep Lonzo Ball, that's 
not a bad little trio there that you can uh, you can build around when they're all only what, 22 to and, and below or something like that. So um, it's exciting to see. Hopefully that chemistry continues to build. We, on other guys, I know Nicola Melli joined the team this year as well uh, from the EuroLeague. What did you think of his season? He was... He looks like he fits that mould of being able to play along Zion as well as playing along Derek Favors, but you know that defensive issues are probably something that he got criticised a little bit for. Yeah, I mean, with Nico, I think everyone just by default, like a international stretch, stretch four that he's in the mould of the last Nico for this team, Mirotic, and so. Um, you know, people want to connect those two. And I think that's, I mean, they, they kind of are filling a very similar role, but I think with Melly, um, you, you, you had peaks and valleys with those two guys or with, with Melly, it was, I think, so I remember watching the, I, I was in Atlanta for the first Zion preseason game. I think it was either Atlanta or Chicago, but I was, I was there for it. And the beyond Zion being incredible. The second thing I noticed was how, how much more Melly could do than I thought he would be able to do um you know he he I think his vision with the ball in his hands passing was was underrated I thought he was pretty like he, he had a couple of plays in isolation where he actually made things happen like and you know with the ball like dribbling to the to the basket and so and, and these are things that you don't really you wouldn't really expect for someone like him and I had no idea what to expect I didn't watch him play um you know overseas before he came to the to the NBA and then the NBA regular season started and he was, he struggled. He went to the bench, he got some DNPs. And, um, but I think once Zion came in, he was a, a really nice complimentary big for him and he got his confidence back. I think, you know, Gentry to, to his credit, like all he does is tell, tell Melly to shoot, keep shooting. We know you can, we know you can make it. You can, you can slump. That's okay. Teams are going to have to guard you and that's going to cause trouble for the rest of the, the rest of the guys on our roster. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I well, I also feel like he's better defensively than what he showed this year. The NBA is a significant adjustment for anyone. Uh, it's the best players in the world. And, and so I expect more from him there. Do I ever, th do I think he's ever going to be the guy who starts next to Zion? No, but I do think he's a guy who can fill a nice role for this team and help Zion space the floor and, and maximize his value until you find that guy who can really be the long-term starter alongside Zion. And, he joins a, a supporting cast of, of Josh Hart, Frank Jackson, Jackson Hayes, um, uh, Kendrick Williams, and Etwan Moore. You know, all of these guys have shown that they can play at this level. It, there's Oh, Jalil Okafor as well. You know, I'm leaving guys out now. In those earlier games, these guys played some pre, uh, pretty significant minutes. And even when there was injuries throughout, I think we're pretty well placed on the bench as well. There's some pretty good guys, especially guys that are willing to sacrifice their games for the good of, I suppose, others. You know, Kendrick Williams is mad hustle. Um, you know, same thing with uh, Frank Jackson's happy to go and, and do the dirty work as well as J uh, Josh Hart. Do you think having a, a, a solid deep bench as well is, is key to the, I suppose, later season surge? Yeah, I mean, like that, that was the, that was the, line of thought for this team going to the year was was they're definitely not as talented overall as they have been in recent years with AD and Drew leading the way but they're also the deepest team that uh, and of course injuries happen but 
I, I feel like that was that was one of the things that people were most excited about is this team can go nine, ten deep and, and not and have one while their starting lineup might not be uh, that competitive at the top top teams in the league, their second unit should be strong and that's that's been a perpetual weakness for, for this team. And so, you know, I, I think the the guy that'd be most excited about of that second unit is I mean, Josh Hart really, really showed some things this year. I mean he yeah, he he kind of bounced back from three point reigns. He's Mr. Hustle, kind of like Hembrit. And um, you know, the the rebounding was critical from Josh Hart. I feel like he was he, he the, the guy never stopped moving. He's all over the place, and and I I feel like that's something. His more than anything, his restrictive free agency a year from now is something I'm very curious how it's going to play out. Do the Pelicans try to to, to lock him in uh, before that? Um, or they, do they let that situation play out? Because I think he's a guy that, you know, he's he's he has a really nice role on this Pelicans team. I feel like he contributed a lot to winning. Um, but he's also a guy you want to tiptoe and, around and not necessarily drastically overpay. Um, so I'm real, real curious to see what happens with him. But I, but I think he's he's that, that good example. Um, with, with Williams, I, I kind of felt the same way until he just – he just crashed from distance. Like he, he lost all his confidence. He couldn't make anything or come anywhere close. Um, it seemed like kind of like Lonzo sapped up any, like not that Kemmerich was, was that great of a three point shooter to begin with, but I feel like, you know, when, when he turned down, Lonzo turned up, which was great for Lonzo, but, but, uh, and then obviously the injury to Williams didn't help either, but I feel like he was as a new NBA era four off the bench was really solid and maybe silver lining. Maybe he can keep him for the next couple of years at a, at a cheaper price because of how he crashed so hard on, uh, you know, from three point range, because I, I'm not, I'm not out on him yet. I really do want to see what he can do. Um, and, and I feel like with, with NBA three point shooting, you can go, it's, it's peaks and valleys so many times. And, and so I, 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 I think there's, there's so much to be excited about with the, some of the Pelicans bench guys, they're young guys. And um, you know, again, too bad, too bad. We can't see a little bit more, right? Yeah. hundred percent. And, yeah, the whole team coming together and having this massive, uh, I suppose, surge towards the end of the season, it, it shows that these guys are bought into this system. It's run and gun. I think it suits the young guys. They can they can run people off the court almost. Um, before we we say uh, say our goodbyes, uh, I'd like to know your key takeaways from the season and your expectations I suppose for the next season or once we leave hiatus I'd just like to get your thoughts on those yeah I mean high level I feel like first of all and I this is top of mind because we talked about it on the podcast last night was don't expect serious waves in the offseason I I don't think this team is positioned to do much of it beyond Ingram re-signing and I I think they'll get that deal done and restricted free agency um, so that's a big, that's a big piece, obviously getting, keeping Brandon Ingram, but beyond that, I don't see much happening. This team's going to be probably operating over the cap. You know, they may use their exceptions. They'll, they'll either keep favors or they'll find a big who can replicate a lot, a lot of what favors is doing for the Pelicans. Um, so I just want to level set expectations on, there's not going to be any big waves. I don't think, um, they'll get, they'll bring DD over. So uh, I think that, that's my, I mean, I assume they'll bring Didi over. So that'll, he'll be kind of a, a guy who you can expect to get maybe hopefully some rotation minutes uh, next season. Um, but, you know, I, f- I feel pretty good. I, I, I you know, I, I, there, 
The only disappointment I'd say from the season, as far as their long-term outlook, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker, after the summer league and the, and the preseason he had, was he had a rough rookie year. And, and so I, I'm certainly not out on him, but I think that he's got more – yeah, he's got to make it – he's got to prove himself to get minutes. And, and I, I do think he could have taken some of Frank Jackson's minutes this year, but I do think – because I'm, I'm all the way out on Frank Jackson. But I think the team wanted to make damn sure that they were out on Frank Jackson too, and I don't – I, I don't see him being a part of this team moving forward, but I, I understand why they played him over Nikhil because they've got Nikhil's a rookie. You've got time with him. Um, so that, I mean, uh, Alexander Walker is the only, I think the real negative where I was disappointed to see him play in the regular season versus what he did before that. Um, but yeah, I mean like Lonzo turned it on uh, that I'm, I'm excited to see him next year and continue to grow. Ingram obviously took major strides this year. Josh Hart struggled to start the year and then took strides similar, kind of similar to Alonzo. Josh Hart's struggles were not as pronounced. I'd say maybe he was just kind of okay to start the year, and then he really grew into the role that he played for the Pelicans. Um, even and Jackson Hayes, we haven't talked about him, but he's been – I think he was – kind of took people by surprise and how quickly – everyone thought he was a redshirt, essentially. He wouldn't play at all this year. He was forced into playing because of injuries, but he – did a damn good job for a frail 19 year old who's still trying to, who's still growing into his NBA body. And so that, that'll be another fun piece to watch. So, I mean, all things considered, I feel like there's a ton of reasons to be excited. Um, you know, the, I, I just want to temper expectations, not just for the summer, but also this team isn't going to grow into a playoff contender overnight. It's going to take time. Um, but they have time to figure it out and figure out which of these young pieces fit and which ones don't. Um, so Patience is key, which I think Pelicans fans are tired of hearing because of all the injuries and all the things they've had to deal with already. But I think not now more than ever, there's reason to be patient because you can see, you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And even if that's not a title, that's a team that I think can be good together for a decent amount of time, which I don't think this team has seen, the city has seen for basketball since like the Chris Paul, David West era, which is, you know, it's a while. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned Diddy there. We've been watching him uh, out at the Sydney Kings this year uh, as one of our NBL next stars. So he, uh, he torched my Wildcats a couple of times. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him take the leap. Fortunately, he couldn't get the, uh, the championship in the end. That was the Wildcats. So we're happy with that result. But uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, for him. But uh, he his English has taken some real strides. I think he, he was really struggling with it, I think, earlier on. And even his, his game has just developed and there was some, the Sydney Kings fans were, were all over him there. Um, Mason, I, I'd really like to thank you for, for spending uh, some time with us today and chatting yeah. Pelicans. It's been really, uh, really insightful and I appreciate your time. We'd love to have you on again sometime. Do you have any, anything you'd like to shout out before we, uh, before we wrap it up? No, it's, uh, this is, uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Um, just, uh, you know, listeners check out, uh, our, our site, bourbontreeshots.com. Um, obviously, not a ton of content coming out right now, but we are, uh, so my co-host and I, who you've had on, uh, Shemet Dua and I do a usually weekly podcast in the know. It's been a little more sporadic given the lack of basketball, but we're still, you know, we, we've got some episodes coming out. So definitely, uh, if you're craving more Pelicans podcast content, uh, check us out too, in the know. Get over there and do it, Mason. I'd like to thank you again, and uh, we'll speak to you next time. Sounds good. 
So how good was that? We got a really good uh, chat with Mason. That was a couple of weeks ago now, as I said in the intro. Um, really thoroughly enjoyed it. A guy that is all the way across the Pelicans, and uh, we look forward to speaking him, with him into the future. Um, make sure you head over and check out the bourbonstreetshots.com, uh, their podcast, as well as In The Know. Very, very insightful. We talked uh, to Schmidt, as he alluded to, a couple of weeks ago as well. A reminder that this was uh, recorded back in the end of May, so a few things have changed since then. The NBA is coming back. We're excited. We're looking forward to it, and we'll keep getting these podcasts out uh, everywhere that you can get podcasts. So, guys, thanks again. I am Lyle Swithenbank, as always, at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter. This has been the Pelican Scoop at Hootball Pels on Twitter, and we'll see you next time. Thanks very much. This has been a Hootball presentation. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.